Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. Turn with us tonight to 1 Timothy chapter number 1. 1 Timothy chapter number 1. Um, appreciate it when the Lord just changes things for me. I don't always know what He wants, but I certainly try to pray for what He wants. And um, He began to move in my heart with some scripture today, and I believe it's what we need tonight. So 1 Timothy chapter number 1, we're going to begin it. Verse number 12, as soon as I can see. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy, because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them, which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. We pray that you would speak it into our hearts now as only you can. Your voice is, Lord, there's not a substitute for it. There's not anything else that will do. We pray for you. God to speak, speak in our hearts in a way that arrests us and brings a Holy Ghost conviction among us. Every heart would be drawn to you, that we would be made humble before you and obedient as well. We thank you for what you're going to do as we pray for the unction to do it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. There are certain passages of Scripture, and most of you know what I'm talking about, but it seems that there is so much treasure in in each one of the verses. Yet I want to try to be faithful tonight to the text itself and uh, just pray that uh, we'll be receiving of the Word of God. The Apostle Paul, in in those five, six verses that I read that right there, was... Um, I believe, expressing something that was extremely personal. And, you know, he wasn't afraid to do that. And I I wonder sometimes with, uh, there's some people that I've known for years, but I don't know their testimony. I've never heard it. And, And that strikes me sometimes as odd that I don't know someone's testimony. It makes me at least wonder, do they have one? And if they do have one, How come they don't share it? I believe the Apostle Paul was willing everywhere he went to tell the simple story of how he come to know Jesus Christ. It was, I believe, his greatest message. 
I believe it was his most effectual message. The most powerful thing that he shared was how he come to know the Lord. He shared it with the kings and he shared it with the paupers, right? He didn't, he didn't call anybody. He shared with everyone how he came to know Jesus Christ. And we see that in these few verses right here. Uh, verse number 12, he said, I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Now, the apostle Paul was faithful in all things. I believe that. If there was anybody that, I believe, uh, went to heaven running, I believe he did. I believe he went through and had done all that he could do. I don't know about the rest of us, but I can tell you this much. If God's called you to do something, he's enabled you to do it. Now, a lot of people like to shirk the responsibility, and they like to blame it on a reason that is maybe I'm not qualified or I'm not able. Or, But, but may I say, if God's called you for it, you're enabled. You've been qualified by the call. Now, I'm not a preacher today because I chose to be one. Uh, he chose me. As a matter of fact, I tried my best to convince him he had made a mistake. Now, that not many of you are here that were there that night, but some of you are, and I, I spent a long time on the altar that night as people were patiently waiting for me to figure out whatever it was that was bothering me. But uh, I told the Lord that night, I said, if you'll help me, because you get to the place with God, see, he don't negotiate. You get to a place with God that you finally have to surrender and say, I'll do it. But oh, I asked the Lord that night, I said, if you'll go with me, just as long as you're with me, and I'll have to say he's been faithful to his part. I'm grateful to God for having called me into the ministry. I can relate to the Apostle Paul, at least in that regard is that I consider it one of the greatest things that has ever happened to me is when the Lord Jesus Christ called me into the ministry. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm sure there's nobody wanting to trade with me right now. But I have found it the greatest of blessings. The most wondrous of things, you see, I would have missed I know I would have. I would have overlooked it or I have been driven in another direction and had absented God from those places. And yet with the call to the ministry, there was a binding of my own will. There was an arresting of my own, of my own desires and my own. And, and as he brought me into those things and, and God kind of made me what I am, I, I had to learn those things and I had to study and study and study. I never got to go to school for this kind of thing. So I had to, had to really put in the extra time trying to figure out what the Word of God said, what it meant, and, and, and to trust God in it. And in all of this, I found the most wondrous friend in the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in Christ himself. And I'd like to say today that he hath enabled me. I'd lo- I want to personally say that I'm not fit, I'm not able, I'm not worthy, I'm not capable. But through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are enabled. 
Now I find that refreshing, that it's not about me. You see, it wasn't about Paul. That wasn't the reason that he called Paul was because he was able or he was qualified or any of those other things. He called him because he was chosen to be the man of God. And I'm grateful today that God still chooses men that way. Now, you can go to school, and I'm not against that. Man ought to get all the education he can get. But once you've got it, you better trust God with it. You better depend on God with it. and You better follow God with it. If you don't, you need to put it aside because it's hindered you. The most important thing we'll do is to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and allow God to speak when God needs to speak. Now, his word is spoken, and that's clear, and that's what the men of God are responsible for. And I believe the apostle Paul was grateful for it. And here, he thanked God specifically for having enabled him and called him into the ministry. But I want you to see where he goes next. Now, the apostle was trying to create the great difference between who he was then and who he was before. Now, he was doing this on purpose, and we'll get there. But I want you to recognize in verse number 13 (laughs) what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, you know, as they looked at him and as they revered him as a man of God and they honored and respected him and certainly listened to him and I'm certain, you know, I I don't believe we'll get preaching when we're in heaven, but I'm certainly hoping that I can sit and talk with the apostle Paul for a little while. Because there's had to be some wondrous truths, some wondrous things that aren't even written that he got to see that we never saw. Oh, as we think about this, the apostle, I believe, in verse number 13 was trying to contrast the place where he was now versus where he was then. I believe what he was trying to say was, I was awful. I was the worst of the worst. I was as bad as you can get. And here he claims, he said, I was a blasphemer. And a blasphemer is is as if you would strike at God with your words and your actions. A blasphemer. He said, I was a persecutor and I was injurious. In Acts chapter number 9, the Bible said that he'd done the church great harm. He was uh, even open to the slaughtering of the church. And we find here the Apostle Paul's honesty to speak concerning who he was before. Listen, if what you are today in Christ ain't different than what you were before, you didn't get saved. And Paul was trying to establish the, the great difference between who he was before and who he was now. You say, well, what's the purpose in that? I believe he is clear with that. Verse number 14, the purpose is that others might see that if God could save the apostle Paul, then he can save you. There's not anybody that he cannot save. Verse number 14 said this, said, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Now, he's trying to establish for us how abundant that faith was through verse number 13 as he was sharing with them how awful he was. You know, there's actually people out there, and I meet them from time to time. They just tell me, preacher, I'm, I'm too far gone, or I'm, I've been too bad, or I've done too much, or... If if you knew what I'd done, you wouldn't even be talking to me. May I say to you today that that's exactly who Jesus died for. That's the very people that he died for. The Lord Jesus came not to heal the, the, those that were whole, but he came for the sick. He came for those that were lost. Now, 
In, in verse number 13, the apostle Paul was clear. He said, look, I did the, the most horrible things. I was the worst of the worst. He goes on to tell us that he was the chief of sinners. And yet in verse number 13, he said, yeah. He said, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Now, let me see if we can look at Look at the difference between doing something ignorantly and doing something knowingly, right? Now, you think that's a pretty, pretty simple distinguishing characteristic there that would be simple for us to grab, but, and yet I believe there's a lot of people that would claim they did a lot of stuff in ignorance when a bunch of us knowingly do it. A bunch of us knowingly do those things that are contrary to the will of God. Now, the Apostle Paul, he certainly was against that early Christian church and he had persecuted them and, and he was injurious toward them and had, had old Stephen the deacon put to death and had put many of them in prison and all of the horrible things that he did and not one time did he believe that they were the people of God. Not one time when he did those things did he believe that they were serving God. He actually believed they were against God and he was for God. You see, that's ignorance. And he did what he did unknowingly. He did it in ignorance. And according to the Apostle Paul, God knew the difference between knowingly doing something and ignorantly doing something. May I say to you that there's a lot of people today that know better. And they don't do better. You're not going to be able to claim ignorance before God. Number one, when we, when we fail having done something in ignorance, may I say to you today that it does not remove the failure. Just because you didn't know something doesn't relieve you of the penalty of having done it. Just try the law if you want to try that out, right? They'll tell you quickly that ignorance of the law is not an excuse, right? If you break the law, guess what? You'll pay the penalty. But it does go some some distance for you if you were ignorant of it. Even the Bible tells it like this. I believe in the book of Luke it said that the person that did it knowingly would receive more stripes than the one that did it ignorantly, the one that did it unknowingly. How many of us know what the Word of God says, and yet we still do wrong? I think most of us in this room would, would, would be out of the particular realm Paul was talking about when he said that, that I did it in ignorance. I did not know what I was doing. Now, he knew what he was doing, but he thought he was doing it for God. He was doing it as a religious Pharisee, and he truly believed that the people he was persecuting were not the people of God. And so we can't say that, or at least I can't say that. I know what the Word of God says. I know who the people of God are, and when I tell to do the will of God concerning them or him. I did it knowingly. And there's people all around us that are making decisions knowingly. They're not doing it ignorantly. They're doing it knowingly. And they choose to do wrong. They choose to violate the will or the, the word of God and in so they found themselves in great sin. The apostle Paul was careful to say, I obtained mercy. I obtained mercy, he said. I, I think it was because God saw that my ignorance concerning all that he had done was, was real, that I just did not know that Christ truly was the Son of God. I didn't know that it was him he had sent. I didn't know that these people that had come to know Christ were really following God, and I didn't. He said, I didn't know any of that until the day that the Lord spoke to me on my way to Damascus. And when he spoke to 
the Apostle Paul, he got saved that day. And that day he began to know. And many of us today willingly, knowingly fail to keep the word of God. Those things that he tells us to do. I read just earlier this week, the Bible said, or at least a reminder to me, that anything that is not of faith is sin. Oh, how many things that we can categorize today or justify as something that that is allowable or doable. But friend, we're not ignorant to the truth. We know. We know what the Word of God says. We have no excuse. We have every need, amen, to line up with the Word of God because we will be judged based upon what we know. To those that are exposed to the Word of God, to the preaching of God, to the study of His Word, more and more every day, <laughs> right? Some would say, well, I just don't need to read anymore, right? Because the more I read, the more responsible I am. Listen, you're responsible for all of it, whether you read it or you don't. But there is a truth in what we do know. I can assure you of this, those things that the Lord has personally taught me. I believe he holds me to a different accountability level when I fail to keep those. Much different than those things that I've never maybe, never maybe understood. And so ignorance of the law is no excuse. And yet the Apostle Paul said, look, I want you to see the stark contrast. I want you to see who I was then compared to who I am now. And there's a reason I want you to see it. He said, I was terrible. I was awful. I was the worst of the worst. I only obtained mercy because God saw I did it ignorantly in my unbelief. And yet, he said, the grace of God was amazingly abundant toward me. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul having witnessed the murder of so many different Christian men and women and the, the, the incarceration of all of them, the persecution of them, the torture that they had gone through at his hands? How many of those he would have thought in his own mind? Oh, I can, I can imagine how he considered himself the chiefest of sinners. And yet, There's another place in the Word of God where the Apostle Paul, I believe in 2 Corinthians, said, but but I'm chief among the apostles as well. And he was trying to show the great grace of God that had been shown and displayed in his own life. And in verse number 14, he said it like that. He said, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, verse number 15, he says this is a faithful saying. Faithful in that you can trust it. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm challenged a little bit at least, especially in the day that we live in, for this simple truth, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Well, I hadn't seen any saved, not in a little while anyway. So is he still in the saving business? And I say that reverently and on purpose. The Apostle Paul said, you can trust that. He said, this is a faithful saying. This is a trustworthy saying that I'm fixing to share with you. You can trust it. You can believe in it. You can count on it. You can bank on this truth. That Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. The purpose of Jesus Christ is to save the lost. That is a truthful statement. It's a faithful saying. The Apostle Paul, I believe, wanted 
wanted Timothy and the church to understand that, look, this truth never fails. This truth will always be true. This is something that is worthy of everyone's acceptation. It is worthy of everyone taking this truth wholeheartedly without any reservation or any doubt. He can, I can assure you that you can trust this truth that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Now, we needn't be disheartened because Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. We needn't to give up or to slow down or to stop sowing or to look another way. What we need to do is to recognize that this truth is trustworthy. It is trustworthy and it is worthy of everyone's complete acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. He didn't come for the, for the whole, he came for the sick. He came for those that are lost. May I say to you today that Jesus Christ is still in the saving business. Whether or not we see him saved every time or whether or not we don't, it does not change the trustworthiness of this truth. Jesus Christ is in the saving business. He still is saving. He has, his purpose was to save. When he left, he empowered the disciples and the men of God and everyone that got saved to take the gospel into the world. And the message was simple, that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And that hasn't changed. I don't know where your focus is today, but I can assure you that before we see something grow, you have to have sown the seed. You cannot, you cannot expect a garden to flourish and provide if you never planted anything. And what we need is the people of God, not just here but everywhere, what we need is to commit ourselves to sowing the seed of God with a clear expectation that what I sow will grow. It's the law of the harvest and the Lord gave it for us. He gave it to us as something simple that we could keep. It's the same as this. This is a trustworthy saying. You put a a seed of corn in the ground, guess what's going to come up from that? You'll see a corn stalk before long, and, and if you leave it out there and take care of it before long, it'll have another ear of corn on it, and there'll be a, there'll be a whole lot of other seeds within that ear of corn. Those are simple truths. And Jesus, I believe, through the Apostle Paul was trying to get us to see that we can trust this truth, that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. I believe our expectation ought to be to see people saved. When we come into the house of God, there ought to be an expectation that the Holy Spirit of God, through His Word and conviction, that He's going to touch the hearts of people that are with us or among us who need to be saved. And our expectation is is that Jesus Christ will save the sinner. That should be our expectation. And Paul was trying to make sure that they understood how trustworthy this statement is. I honestly believe that some people have given up, right? They don't come expecting salvation. 
They come expecting rescue of their own condition. They come expecting restoration. They come expecting a renewing of their own heart and mind. And truly, all of these things are worthy of of coming for. And yet what ultimately we do when we lift up Christ is to share him with the sinner, with someone that don't know him, and give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to arrest that soul and bring them to faith and love in Christ just as he did the Apostle Paul. And so anyone who says that they cannot be saved, they need to be able to hear what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy. Listen, he said, I was the worst of the worst. You can't get any worse than I was. And yet, through the abundant grace of God, he hath saved me. He saved me. This is a faithful saying, he said. I can tell you for a truth that he saved sinners. He said, because I was the chief. I was the worst. And yet he saved me. Verse 16, how be it for this cause, he said. For this cause, he said, I obtained mercy. Now, again, he goes back. And, and he makes it clear that, that when God saved me, he saved me for a purpose. He saved me for a reason. Now, he said, for this reason, or for this cause, I obtained mercy. Now, I'm going to tell you what the cause was. But may I say to each and every one of us today, when he saved you, He saved you for a cause. Oh, how many people today sit down and expect everyone else to do what needs to be done as if they don't have a cause? Now, I've already made up my mind that I can't do enough for him to repay him. You, you, You could work from now and never sleep a wink to the rest of your life and never pay him back, right? We're the debtor here. We will never pay him back. But oh, there ought to be a desire in our heart to do as he said to the Romans. Brethren, he said, I beseech you by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. These are the things that we ought to be doing. How many of us today have have truly sought God in prayer? How many of us have opened the word of God and tried to find Christ in it and ourselves in it as well? How many of us have reached out to somebody that's in peril, somebody that is lost, somebody that's backslid, somebody that's hurting? How many of us have been working for God today? You take inventory in these things and pretty soon we realize that we don't do as much as we think we do. We begin to compare or we begin to to really try to take an inventory of what it is that we ought to be doing and compare that to what we actually do. I think we do a whole lot more for ourselves than we do for others. Howbeit, he said, for this cause I obtained mercy. He said, God intended, I believe, he said, to make an example out of me. He took something that was absolutely worthless and deserving of hell's flame. And he said, through his abundant grace, he saved me. He saved me. The apostle said, and he saved me for a cause. And that cause, he said in verse number 16, is that in me, first Christ Jesus might show forth all long suffering. here's the cause, for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him 
to life everlasting. What's he saying? He said, he saved me to prove to all you other Joes that he can save you. He saved something like me to prove to you as an example, a pattern, a first fruits, so that when you saw me and you heard my story, you would think, well, if he can save him, he can save me. Paul said that's the very reason he saved me. That's the very reason he took something so worthless as me. And by his abundant grace, through faith and love in Christ Jesus, he said he saved me so that I might be a pattern for all of those poor folks that would come after me when they see me and they hear my story and they hear what I did, right? And so that reinforces the importance of him telling not just part of his testimony, but all of his testimony. Right? I, don't, I don't think we have to go around bragging on the bad stuff we did, Right? But I believe the Apostle Paul was very graphic sometimes, and he just looked people in the eye and said, look, you think you're bad, you can't get no worse than I was. If you think God can't save you, you're wrong. He said, you're wrong because he saved me. And oh, how some of us ought to be at least excited with the fact that, that though I can't quote chapters at a time, I can look somebody in the eye and say, I can assure you he can save sinners. I can promise you today without a doubt that this is a faithful saying that Jesus Christ will save sinners. How do you know? Right? I'm glad you asked. You see, that's where it comes to. Is that my own personal testimony ought to be, ought, ought to be so clear and resolute in my mind that I know where I was and I know where I am now. See, I, it I never get tired of hearing people's testimony. To me, they, it's just better every time I hear it. Because what I hear is, is that they were once lost, but now they're found. They were blind, but now they see, right? And you, can, you, you, you have those, those certain people that have a testimony that just goes so far back into depravity, and you're thinking, my goodness, how could that person ever be saved? And yet God lifts them out of that horrible pit and he sets them on a solid rock and he makes them a new creature for Christ. <laughs> About 25 years ago, I had, a, I had the testimony of Mike Warnke. I don't know if anybody remembers him, but he was a, he was a Satanist high priest. Worshipped the devil. And uh, his personal testimony was he got so bad the devil didn't even want him. But you know what happened to him? <laughs> Hear me now. He worshiped the devil. He offered sacrifices unto the devil. Strung out on drugs and all these other heinous crimes. But he obtained mercy. Because he did it ignorantly in unbelief. And what Paul is saying is, look, hear me. You might think you can't be saved, but I'm telling you, you can. If he can save me, he can save you. As a matter of fact, he said, I believe the only reason he saved me was so that I could prove to you that you also can be saved. 
You haven't gone far enough where God can't reach you. You've not done enough evil that God can't completely cleanse you and make you a new creature. No, the Apostle Paul was was getting wound up here in these few verses, right? We're, we're fixing to see that before we end. But but as he was as he was trying to explain this on pen, I don't know who was writing it for him. Maybe Luke was pinning this down as as Paul was 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 giving this to him. And I say that because there is one place where he says he wrote it with his own hand, which infers that several of them he didn't write with his own hand. Somebody did it for him. But he was trying to paint a picture. Yeah, I get it. You've been a heathen. I get it that you were ungodly. I get it that you were wretched. I get it you were vile. I get it that nobody loved you, and surely God couldn't love you. He said, but I'm here to tell you that you couldn't get no worse than me. Now, I don't have one of them testimonies. And I got saved when I was young. And I avoided a whole lot of stuff, right? Getting saved when you're nine year old, right? If you even partly stick to it, it'll keep you out of a lot of ditches. Amen. And I'd tell everybody in this room, get saved when you're young. Right? If you got some advice, I'll give it to you. Get saved as soon as he speaks. That's when you need to obey, right then. It'll save you a world of hurt. However, I love hearing those testimonies of where God reaches down into the to the backside of hell and pulls somebody up out of it and sets them up for him. And and they just like trophies. There's a man sent me an email, it's been six, eight weeks ago and Sent me a text, and he said, hey, he said, I got a link on here. He said, I want you to go to it. He said, I, he said, I, I, I listened to this, and I thought of your testimony. And uh, when I went on it, it was uh, Jared Dixon's testimony. I don't know if anybody's heard it, but he's, he's in front of this great big crowd, and there's all kinds of there's a youth rally somewhere, and he's preaching. And, and he said this. He said, when I was young, he said, I used to hear all these these testimonies of these people that God rests way back and just miraculously saved them out of that. And he kept thinking, he said, I'm thinking to myself, I need me one of them testimonies. And he said, and then an old preacher sat him down one time and he said, son, what, what you think you're missing, he said, what you're really missing is nights when you can't go to sleep because you regret all the things you've done. He said, no. He said, the... The, the only thing that matters is have you been to Calvary, right? Not how you got there or how far it took you to get you there, but have you been there? And so when it comes right down to it, my testimony counts, right? Just as much as anybody's testimony because I've been to the same place they did and the same thing happened to them happened to me. And as far as I'm concerned, I see myself just like Paul did. I was unfit, unworthy, unlovable, unsavable, and yet he saved me. I ain't ain't got over it. I haven't got over what he did for me. And so I just have to tell my story. But here's what I can tell you. You can trust this. Jesus came to save sinners. Right? And when they look you in the eye and say, well, I... I've just been too bad. You can look right back at him and say, no, you can't be too bad. Let me tell you about this. Right? And the Apostle Paul said, look, 
He said, I believe that God saved me specifically for this cause, that I might show a pattern to them behind me, to them coming. When they see me, they think, if God can save him, he can save anybody. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul believed, was that Jesus Christ could save anybody. Right? We get disheartened, Debbie, sometimes because we think they... It don't look like they can get saved, right? They still hung up on dope. They can't get away from it. The devil's wearing them out, and it looks like they're going to die. Here's what I tell you. God saves them in that condition all the time. I want you to know that this is a trustworthy saying, and it is worthy of everybody in this room receiving it wholeheartedly that Jesus Christ saves sinners. Of whom I am chief, albeit he said, for this cause I obtained mercy, that, that my life might be a pattern to everybody coming after me, that, that when, they, when they look at somebody that's in a hopeless condition, they might also know, yeah, they ain't without hope. He can still save them too. Well, I believe Paul was getting fired up by that point. He had to just stop in verse number 17 and praise him, Right? Did you catch that in verse number 17? He, he was getting... <laughs> you ever notice when somebody goes to telling their testimony it, it, that they, it just gets real emotional sometimes, for most people anyway, right? I can't hardly tell about when I got saved and I don't get happy about it, right? It, it may not do you any good, but it sure makes me happy because there was something that happened to me and I've never got over. See, when I got saved, I didn't get religion. I got made a new creature and a child of a king, and the Holy Spirit indwelt me that very day. Boy, what a journey that it's been. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I believe Paul, as he was trying to tell this simple story, tell this truth, look, he was trying to say, look, if he, could, if he could save me, he could save anybody. And then he breaks forth in praise in verse number 17, and he says this. Oh, he said, now unto the king eternal. You know he's talking about. He's talking about the one that saved him. <laughs> he said, I just got to praise him right here. Right? The, the chapter wasn't even over. He said, now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I believe he had a fit. I believe he just got so excited. You say, what did he get excited about? Because he was saved. I don't have a whole lot to brag about in this world as the world would consider boasting. But I can tell you what I can brag about. And at nine years old, I went down a sinner. And I got up a saint. And I tell you, I know who did every bit of it. It was to the king, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. Bless his name. Forever and ever, amen, he said. I think. 
if there's anything the church is missing today, it's people that are glad they're saved. You can go into churches, I do. And there's people sitting in there. It looked like it hurt them to have to smile. You got to wonder, what's in them? What makes us have faces just like that? I believe what Paul was saying was, there's something happened to me. He said, I'm telling you right now, I was the worst of the worst. He said, and everything that I did, he said, I did it as an unbeliever. I was ignorant that I was, I was truly hurting people of God. Oh, he said, I was the chiefest of sinners. But he said, I'm telling you, he saved me. And I am now a new creature in Christ. I am a new creature in Christ. And if he can save me, he can save you. He can save your husband. He can save your neighbor. He can save your friends. He can save anybody. And about that point, we ought to just break into shouting, right? Thank you, Jesus, that this is true. That it is true. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And bless your heart, friend, he does. He does. All right. Just a reminder that he saved sinners. I don't know, you might be here tonight and the Holy Spirit has just arrested your heart and said, you know what, all this time you've been thinking you saved, but you don't know me. I've never dwelt in you and you need to be saved right now. I tell you, this Wednesday night would be a great time to get saved. If the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, it might be the only time you get saved. But if you need him tonight, we're going to ask him to come and get a song. Just going to give an invitation tonight that if you need to be saved, that you'd come and be saved. Now, you're going to have to trust God for the rest of it. But the message is simple. You ain't done enough to keep him from saving you. You've not gone too far. You can't have gone too far. He's able to save you. I believe he'll save you if you'll let him. Jesus saves. <laughs> nope, that's it. Stand if you can. If you can't, just pray. And let's trust God. If you need him tonight for whatever reason, pray. Call on him.